Testament and before basically John the Baptist uh, comes on the scene. And in that 400 years of silence, there really was this essence of what is God doing? Think about that. 400 years, folks. Our, our country isn't that old. Does that make sense? That's a long time of just silence. But you need to know that there's something in the Jewish uh, faith. And I've, I've actually talked to some people who are part of the Jewish faith. And they said, yes, this is, this is true. And by the way, there are prayers to uh, the fact that they want the Messiah to come. And it's, a, it's an ongoing prayer. It's done many times, by the way, um, at their festivities of praying that the coming of the Messiah... So the, way, the reason why we get this is from Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses speaks these words. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. So there is a promised prophet to come. Moses, one of the greatest patriarchs. Moses says, look, there's a prophet to come. Just as you desire the Lord your God at Horeb, uh, just as you desire the, desire the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see the great fire anymore lest I die. So what you need to know is in that moment there, God said, come meet me. There was all this fire, God's voice, and the people went, nope, we don't want to have that experience again. It was, too, it was too scary. It was too overwhelming. God, if you're going to speak, we don't want to be spoken to by you in your voice on a mountain with flames. Nope. So look what God says. I love this. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. They can't handle my voice. They can't handle my God voice. So he says this, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. So from this time, there is an anticipation of the one that would come that would be the prophet that would speak for God, not in a fiery flame on the mountain, but brother to brother, brother to sister. And they were waiting, and by the way, praying and ushering the Messiah to come. So on a constant basis, the people of Israel were saying, come, come, Messiah, come, please come. And we watch their journey as a people asking for this Messiah to come. Now, I want to take you to a really fun verse. This is, um, and, and by the way, and whoever, I forgot to read this part, and whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it it of him. So, but I want you to show what happens in John chapter 1 verses 45 through 46. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. So this one that every generation said, come, please Messiah, come. Nathanael I mean, Philip finds the thumb and says, he's, he's come. We found him. And I love his response. By the way, this is how we respond. And then Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, it just wasn't what he thought. See, one of the things we need to understand is that we always have preconceived ideas. You already have them about Thanksgiving. It's going to be great. The family's going to sit there. You're all going to have wonderful conversations. Sit around the table. You're going to pray. It's going to be wonderful. 
and then the kid spills the milk, and then the thing happens, and then you burn the bird, and I'll go, you know those days, you know what I'm saying? We have these ideas of what it's going to be, and then it usually isn't, but whatever it is, it's usually pretty good. But they had these preconceived ideas of Jesus, and coming from Nazareth? He's from the bloodline of David. Are you kidding me? Nazareth? When I got to go to Israel, I've been to Nazareth. Believe me, it's not that great. Now, even today, it's not that great. And so you have, really, Nathaniel going, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And I love this. What does he say? Come and see. Come and see. So what we have is that we have a people that are looking for the Messiah to come. And I'm telling you right now, I believe that there's a heart of every one of us that is looking for an answer. But I wonder how many times we miss the answer because we already say it has to show up in this way and look this way or answer this question or do this thing. And so if it comes, sometimes we could even miss it. And so in this, I want you to know we are in this stage of where it's not Christmas. It's in this pre-stage of a people that are knowing that there should be an answer. They've been in the silence for 400 years. And every generation prayed for the coming of the Messiah. But were they even ready for it when it would actually show up? In Jeremiah 23, 5 through 6, it says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved. Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name of which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. So Jeremiah, again, these prophets speak of this one that would come, this one would come. And by the way, it's throughout all the prophets would speak of this one that would come. And when he came, things would change. But Jeremiah tells us he's going to come from the line of David, which is significant. In Revelation, end of the book, Jesus says this, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. His coming changed everything. It's one of the reasons why when you get into the book of Matthew and Luke and they have the genealogy, it's why they're there, is to show the lineages and explain that everything that God had prophesied came true. But he says, I am the bright and morning star. So, what do we do? See, we're not, as Gentile people, waiting for the Messiah that's going to come and to save us. The, what we call the, the, the populist people, it's not what we're looking for. Let me explain it to you this way. When you have the people of Israel, who, by the way, once they were taken from their king was taken, the last one when they were taken off to Babylon, they are looking for one that's going to come back and restore them back to their place. What they wanted was an earthly king. What they weren't ready for was Jesus. They weren't ready for a carpenter from Nazareth. They just weren't. They weren't ready for one that was going to be born in Bethlehem, specifically laid in a manger. They weren't looking for him. They were looking for a mighty warrior that would come and set them back up and push back Rome and take back what was theirs and, and reestablish them. So again, their eyes were looking in a specific area and Jesus comes and because he comes in a way lowly and meek, they weren't ready for him. But they have to understand, I look at our society today, and I'm telling you that everybody's looking for something. 
and, and we're, we're honestly putting our bets in different places. For some, it's going to be in the next election. We'll either get someone out or get someone in, but that's going to fix things. For some, it's the economy. For some, it's the stock market. For some, it's going to be your education. For some, it's going to be the next venture of business that you're going to put yourself into. And we're waiting for that thing to come that is going to give us what we're looking for. We're waiting for that thing to come. We're waiting for our ship to come in. Waiting for that thing to come is going to give us an answer. And if you talk to people who are not believers in Christ, they are still looking for that thing that's going to answer everything. And if we could just get everybody educated, if we could just get everyone to be on this part of the party line, if we could just get everyone to stop using fossil fuels, or we could get every, whatever that thing is, we think there's an answer that's going to come that's going to then bring the relief we're looking for. I believe that. And so I watch people in this place, they're just in this, this thing going, there's got to be an answer in this, if we could just unravel it. And I stand before you saying, he has come. He does bring peace. No matter what the politics, no matter what is going on in the economy, no matter what is happening at your job or happening in your life, there is one who has come that wants to set you free and give you hope. And he's come. So let me show it to you this way. In Acts chapter 17, Paul has a really interesting thing. It's almost like he has a day off in the city of Athens. And so he's kind of touring Athens. He kind of shows up and he's seeing things. And by the way, I, even back then I hear it was supposed to be amazing. Statues everywhere, pictures everywhere. And so he goes to where the smart people are. He goes to where the people sit around all day long and they listen to new things and they try to figure out if maybe that's the answer. That's what their job was on Mars Hill. Let people come from all around the world saying, this is the new thing, this is the new thing, this is the new thing. My son Zach is absolutely obsessed with that guy that glues things together, like the glass boat guy. You guys know what I'm talking about? You guys have ever seen this? No one of you guys have ever seen this? He will literally cut a hole out of the bottom of the boat and then fill it up with this tape or this glue. You guys haven't seen this thing? Zach loves this stuff. I read this story. He goes, we got to get it, dad. It's going to fix everything. Really? It's going to fix everything, dad. So there's caulking and there's dip stuff and there's stuff. It's great. It's the answer. We're all looking for an answer. So here's the thing. They're looking for answers and it's the new thing. It's the new glue. Does it make sense? And he made from one, um, this is Acts uh, 17, 26. He's talking to them and he gets to Jesus and he's talking about this. He goes, but this is how it happened. And he's going to go all the way back to Adam. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. This is what it's saying. God created the world that we would listen Seek him and find him. And I love this, and he doesn't hide from us. God put himself in creation. He put himself in us. He put himself in a place that says, 
I'm here. And what you're looking for is found in me. They should seek God and find him. And he's not far from each one of us. Verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. Even some of your own poets, speaking to the people of the Acropolis, have said, for we are indeed his offspring. And what Paul is doing is just quoting Genesis 126. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Meaning that in us, we are looking for the one that we are created in image of and in the likeness of. We are seeking him. We want to know this thing because I'm telling you, we keep trying all these other things. We keep trying the new glue. I think that what happened is there was a people that were saying, come Messiah, you'll make everything right. But their perspective was, again, we want to be a nation. We want to be back in power. We want to have a back authority. We don't want it to be underneath Rome. And God goes, I don't care who's over you. I want you right and at peace no matter what's going on. Because the fact is, is after Rome, there was going to be other nations that were going to rise up. And all around the world today, around the world today, there are people that are following God under horrible, horrible experiences. None of you leave here and are worried that if you walk out this church door, you're going to be arrested. But there are people that are meeting at church today, knowing that they could walk out of their church and be arrested. They could be killed for their faith. See, I want us to understand that he has said, look, I'm here, and I have come, and you can find me. In Isaiah 7, 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call your name Emmanuel. I didn't know this. Um, someone explained this to me. Um, it makes sense now that I've, that I've heard it. Um, a young Jewish girls would have a conversation that maybe they could be the one the Messiah comes through. Young Jewish girls believe this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And so when they were married, they kind of checked that off their list. Does that make sense? It's not me. But there was a me. Her name was Mary. And when Mary got engaged to Joseph, she checked her box. Not me. And God went, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa. No, it's you. But, but I just never thought about that, that a young girl could think, wow, could it be me? Could it be me? Could I be the one that God chooses to bring his Messiah into the world? Because they were wanting so desperately for him to come. So desperate for him to be a part with them. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, we read this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. That's the image that's on our screen. Now, I say this every Christmas and people get upset. We don't know if there were three wise men. You guys know that. It doesn't tell us. If you don't know that, I'm sorry that your little nativity set may be wrong. Okay? Now, why do we say three? Because there were three gifts. Right. 
there could have been two, there could have been 20. We just don't know. We just don't. But we say three, and we say, oh, we three, and we wrote songs about it, but we just don't know. It just says wise men came from the east. And here's what's interesting. Wise men came from the east, listen to me, very important, you hear what I'm saying here, because they were looking. Say it again. Because they were looking. They were looking, and they saw a star... And in the writings, by the way, these are wise men most likely that have been connected to Daniel. There was something in the writings that says when you see the star, then the one that has been prayed for has come. Now watch this. I'm all the way in the east. Now when I say all the way in the east, this is like, uh, this is, by the way, by the best, it was a year and a half journey. So one of the wise men, after seeing the star, got together with the other wise men, because we know there was at least more than one. Does that make sense? And said, listen to me, come on. Come on, let's go. Now, I don't know how much conversation that had to take, but you're like, wait a minute. It's a long camel ride, guy. Like, what? Yeah, we got to go see. If this is what has been talked about, if this star has shown up, that means that God's kings come, and we need to go check this out. Come on, let's go. And I'm sure there was, listen, people are people, right? There's the one that's like, yeah, let's go, woo! And already packed, right? And has like a granola bar and is ready to run. And there's another one that's like, ah, I got to pack everything. I got to put everything in trunks. I got to make sure everything, I, I don't know what to wear. What's going to, I mean, this is going to be a whole year. I got to pack everything, right? We all know, and there's different people in here. How many of you guys go on vacation and you can literally pack and be out the door in five minutes? Where are my people? Yes, my people. Oh. How many of you, if you're going on vacation, plot for a month what you're going to wear? Oh my gosh. Jody has friends. All right, so. I one time tried to have her explain to me the process. She goes, well, you have to bring multiple tops that could go with multiple bottoms that go with this because you never know what the situation could be. And yeah, amen, right? And it's just like, what? It's called a bikini and get on the boat. Anyway, so, uh, but in this process, it's just funny where, okay, I don't know the logistics, but there was someone who had to figure out food and someone had to figure out like where they're going to stay. And it was legit. It was a, it was a thing. And one of them said, let's come, let's go, let's go. And this is what they did. Saying, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Now listen to me. They believed that if they saw the star, everybody else saw the star. And when they got there, there should have been signs pointing to where this king was. You have to understand that. What they found after 400 years of silence was a very disinterested group of people that, by the way, no one even knew what they were talking about. So let me tell you my story. Um, I'm not going to give the whole story. I got lost in the mountains when I was in uh, high school. Pretty bad, broken up, broken ribs, punctured lung. It was really bad. There's a group of us. It, I don't have time to hold the story. Believe me, uh, mom thought I was dead. My dad thought I was dead. It was a bad thing. Don't ever let your kids do that. Now, we were, we, we, we finally, uh, we were literally lost. We found a, a, a fire road. By the grace of God, a car was lost on the fountain road. I believe that God made that car lost on the fountain road. That's my own interpretation of that. We had to talk to people into it, and they said, can you just take us to the ranger station? Now, here's what's funny. 
the whole time, our leader, I'm, I'm freshman in high school, is going, oh, when they get there, they're going to be so excited. They're going to be so, it's going to be so awesome. They have been looking for us. So we pile out of the back of this pickup. We are scarred up, beaten. I'm jacked. I hit a tree doing about 30 miles an hour. It's a long story. I do not look good at all. We're just covered and caked. We've been, it's, it was raining and sleeting. And we walk in and we're like, hello, we're the group that's been lost in the mountains for the last 48 hours. And the lady goes, what? My heart like died. Because here's my thought. No one cared. And we're, she's like, what? She goes, I, we've been lost for 48 hours. Haven't you guys been looking, of it, looking for us? And she's like, what? And a lady from the back goes, sorry, I'm going to say this in church. Oh my God, you're the group on the south side. They've been looking for you. Why are you here? We were so lost. We were in a completely different range of the forest that they weren't even looking for us. So we came in. So literally, they were having a Christmas party. They came in, brought us Christmas cookies. This is where my love of coffee came from. I never drank coffee that day. I learned to love coffee. Like, like love coffee. And this lady, I still the best thing. There were, there were five of us in the group. She goes, I raised seven boys. None of you have things I haven't seen. Stripped down. We got to get you dry. Yes, ma'am. The clothes started coming off. Because what had happened was we were waiting for this big like, hey, where it? We were so far where we weren't supposed to be. They weren't ready for us. Does that make sense? As soon as they found out, then, oh, all this commotion and all these things happened uh, and God was in it. But listen, I believe the wise men show up and they are waiting for the party because the king is here and no one is doing anything. So they get to King Herod. Watch. Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For he, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And I think they're probably put out. We came a long way and you guys don't even know what's going on. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. What? The king's been born? We missed it? Think about that. They missed it. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where was the Christ to be born? Now they've got to go check records. Like it's not even on their radar. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, O you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, by no means least among the rulers of Judah, and from you shall come me a ruler who will shepherd of, will be the shepherd of my people. Here's the thing. It had already happened. Jesus is two years old by this point. I know in your nativity, he shows up to the baby. Sorry, no. He's two. We know that because then later, Herod's going to have every male two years old and younger killed. So watch what happens. Then Herod some of the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what the time the star had appeared. So he realizes, oh, the star appeared two years ago. That's how old this child is now. Now, then they show up to the, by the way, read your scriptures. It does not say baby. It says they showed up to the child's house. He's two years old. By the way, who has ever had a two-year-old? Do you think the two-year-old Jesus is all like, oh, thank you for the gold. Thank you for the, no. He's running around and Mary's like, Jesus. Oh, sorry. Slip that one in there. All right, so 
She was able to say it and not get in trouble. You say it, you get in trouble. All right. But they did. They gave gifts to this child, which, by the way, then Joseph then hawks to go to Egypt. Read the story. It's true. But here's the thing that's interesting. Is that they come to see a long way. Because they knew something had happened. John 1, 35 through 37. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. Now, which John are we talking about? We're talking about John the Baptist. When John started doing this thing out in the wilderness, a few people came and got baptized and then started hanging around John because they're like, hey, this John guy is pretty powerful and he's saying pretty powerful things. So John had a group of disciples as well. Yes, we know that Jesus had disciples, but John had disciples as well. They would kind of sit with John when he was done baptizing. They would ask him questions and they would watch him eat his locusts and his, and his honey and sitting in his fur. Does that make sense? They would just hang out with him. Now watch. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. I said it that way because there's an exclamation point in the Bible. John is not saying, Oh, behold the Lamb of God. No, it's behold the Lamb of God. Now that takes the eyes of these two disciples. Look what happens. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Because if the one who is telling you who was your disciple of goes, no, that's the lamb, you leave that one and you go to that one. They leveled up. The disciples heard say this and they followed him. Jesus turned and saw them following. Oh, oh I knew it was going to happen. Hold on, let me go back. That, um, doo, 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 doo. There we go. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, look at me, what are you seeking? It's a great question. What are you seeking? The two guys are smart and said, and they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Look at this. And they said, um, um, and then act, remember Acts 17, I read to you that they should seek God and perhaps, um, and feel their way toward him. Yet he's actually not far from one of us. I read that scripture to you because that's what's happening. They're seeking the answer. So Jesus asked them, what are you seeking? And he says this, and he said to them, come and you will see. Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour, which begins the process of collecting of, this, of the 12 apostles. But I love that Jesus says, what are you seeking? And they say, where are you staying? And he says, come and see. Let me just say this. Most of our conversations start like this. Um, hey, do you want to come over to my house and we'll watch the game? Hey, do you want to come over to my house for Thanksgiving? Hey, do you want to come with me as I go do this? Hey, do you want to come with me as I try this? We use this phrase a lot. Ironically, it's the way in which we're supposed to reach our inner circles. Hey, you want to come with me to church? Hey, you want to come to me with my root group? Hey, you want to come and see what's going on? Because here's what I know. They are seeking. They're seeking. And you have a place to take them to what they're seeking for. And this is what I love. I love that moment when they've come with you, but they realize that you've said, look, there's the Lamb of God, and they leave you to go follow Jesus. So you're supposed to be John in the process. You just say, look, this is what it is. And then when you point out who Jesus is, they leave you to go be with him. 
See, the thing is, I just want you to know that we're starting this process next week. It'll be all Christmas out. And woo! But right now, there's a world that needs to have people like you say, come. Come on. Let's go see the one who was born king of the Jews. Let's go see the one who came to change the world. Not by power of might of, a, of an army, but by the power of transforming lives. Come on, let's go see him. Come on. And so today, my prayer for this church is that we will have people that will go to the people in the inner circle and say, come on. I know you're seeking. I was too. But I found him. The one that, that Moses spoke of. Come on. Come see him. Come see what he'll do. Come see what he's about. Come. Let us adore him.